the world's most exciting podcast, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. I'm Michael Savage, host of the Savage Nation podcast, home of borders, language, and culture. Hear my new podcast each week as I speak with top guests from around the world. Right now, we have over 700 shows in our library featuring interviews with world leaders, scientists, faith teachers, and more, including President Donald Trump, Prime Minister of Israel Ehud Barak, Edward Teller, the father of the hydrogen bomb, Jerry Falwell, and so much more conversations and commentary you cannot find anywhere else. Other guests have included Samuel Cohen, the father of the neutron bomb, Breitbart's Alex Marlowe, the great author Peter Schweitzer, Colonel Douglas McGregor. Be here or be nowhere. The Savage Nation podcast. Catch the Michael Savage podcast on all podcast platforms every Tuesday and every Friday. Remember the McCluskeys? Great people in St. Louis. They were defending their home during a crazy Black Lives Matter protest. They felt threatened. They had weapons. They came out of their house to defend their property. So for a lot of us, this was a clear-cut, textbook, appropriate use of those weapons. They felt threatened. Who knows what that mob was going to do? They were charged with a felony, you may remember. Uh, It was very, very serious. Well, today they pleaded guilty to misdemeanors, misdemeanors. I was a little bit disappointed to hear that. I thought they had a great case, but probably makes sense for them. They will be able to continue to bear arms, and they will be able to keep their law licenses. Patricia and Mark McCluskey, both attorneys. I talked to them about the trouble they were in last year. You've got to be worried. I mean, the maximum penalty associated with this felony is four years in prison and a $10,000 fine. And so you've got to be, and there's an election coming up, and you know, the the governor has certainly come out in favor of our, our position and said he would pardon us if we get convicted, but the governor's up for election too. And so, one, you can never predict anything with certainty in this world, particularly in this upside-down, bizarro world we're in now. Well, that governor won his re-election campaign, and uh, we'll see if they get pardoned. This was probably a good move for them, practically speaking. Uh, He'll be able to continue his run, Mark McCluskey will, for the United States Senate. He'll be joining us in just a bit, all right? So Joe Biden is back in the United States after that, I think, bizarre trip to uh, Geneva to meet with Vladimir Putin. I thought he looked weak. I thought he looked pretty nasty at times. Even the mainstream media had to report a certain portion of the press conference. They didn't want to go there, but they did. President Biden said the world will find out within a few months if any of Putin's promises will hold. But he lost his temper when asked why he seemed confident that Putin could change his behavior. He later apologized. I shouldn't have been such a wise guy with the last answer I gave. 
Now that he's back in Washington, the president faces significant domestic challenges, especially the fate of his massive infrastructure proposal. All right, they said he lost his temper, but if you blink, you might have missed that in the report. And they only showed you a very small, very select portion of it. Uh, NBC Today Show did the same thing. Putin, for his part, saying the summit saw no hostility between the two while expressing respect for Mr. Biden as a political leader. He's very constructive. He's very balanced, just the way that I expected. The president flashing frustration when pressed on the future of the relationship. Why are you so confident he'll change his behavior, Mr. President? Yeah, I'm not confident changing behavior. What do you do all the time? So when did I say I was confident? You said I said, in the next six months. I said, what I said was, let's get it straight. I said, what will change their behavior is that the rest of the world reacts to them and it diminishes their standing in the world. Now, the president later publicly apologized for his reaction to that question, which mischaracterized his comments, asked again by reporters if his optimism was more wishful thinking than reality. President Biden said there's value to being realistic while putting on an optimistic face. It's wild. None of the networks are telling you why he really apologized. They're saying he apologized. They're showing you a moment. You might think he's apologizing for that. But he did something far worse, and all of the networks made the same mistake or are covering up in the same way. I think that the last thing he wants now is a Cold War. But Biden also bristling when pressed on why he thinks Putin will change his ways. Why are you so confident he'll change his behavior, Mr. President? Yeah, I'm not confident changing behavior. What do you do all the time? What I said was, let's get it straight. I said what will change their behavior is that the rest of the world reacts to them and it diminishes their standing in the world. I'm not confident of anything. I'm just stating the fact. And the president did actually later apologize for that heated exchange. And while he says he's not confident Putin will change, Biden says there is a value to putting on an optimistic face. All right. Again with the face. Um, All three networks did it. NBC, ABC, CBS, they're not showing you what he really apologized for, what his big mistake was. And they're not showing you the big mistake. And here it is. Now, it's not fiery, but listen and read the words. What he says to this reporter from CNN, uh, he is nasty, he is insulting, and arguably he's harassing her. He downplayed human rights abuses. He even refused to say Alexei Navalny's name. So how does that account to a constructive meeting as President Putin? You don't understand that, you're in the wrong business. If you don't understand that, you're in the wrong business. Now, Donald Trump actually called the fake news altogether. He lumped everybody in. Donald Trump was really tough on the press. I know. We all know that, right? But to single out somebody and say, you're not even worthy of the fake news, you're not worthy to be here, you shouldn't be in this business, that's pretty mean. And I know that his staff freaked out when he said that to a female reporter. This is the kind of thing that will get you in trouble in corporate America. Early, he was just frustrated because he was misquoted. This is bad stuff. No wonder why they didn't take him out of that basement during the campaign. Joe Biden is a nasty, often mean guy. He is. You can't get away from it. You know, during the campaign, (laughs) he was blessed. He was totally hooked up in the basement or in those special areas where he could keep people and the press away from him. He never would have won had it not been for COVID. He knows that. 
His staff knows that. They've actually admitted it. Take a look at this. Anita Dunn, one of his top uh, communications officials, told two political journalists, Dunn told one associate what campaign officials believed but would never say in public about the disease's effect on Biden's fortune. COVID is the best thing that ever happened to him, she said. Anita Dunn, Biden campaign senior advisor. And it's true. Joe Biden <laughs> out there on the campaign trail, he does not know how to behave. He's been protected. He's protected in the White House. But every now and then, the real Joe does get through. Uh, you can't change who you are. Remember this? It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. That would have taken out a candidate under normal circumstances, but they had to do everything they could to protect Joe and get at Trump. Now compare this to a minor skirmish that happened between a CNN reporter and Kaylee McEnany. Remember her, the White House press secretary? She did a great job. Take a look. Kaylee, why can't you call on all of us? You haven't taken I don't call on activists. I'm not an activist and you haven't taken questions since October 1st and you just took about five, Kaylee. That's not doing your job. Your taxpayer-funded job. I find that so obnoxious on this person's part. Now, that little skirmish, Kaylee called her an activist. They called the grief cancelers over there at CNN, and they wanted to make this uh, reporter the woman of the century. Uh, Caitlin, just one second. Stay there. I, I just want to say, you got attacked from the podium today uh, unfairly and unprofessionally, and I just want to note... You're one of the best White House correspondents ever in the history of this country. Uh, you're, you do a fantastic job, and we're very lucky to have you. And we are all 100% behind you. So thanks for that report, and thanks for the job you do. Thank you for saying that. You see, one little sling comes their way, and it's total war, huh? Now, Donald Trump could be tough on reporters. I know it, you know it, but he was blunt and direct and never said that an individual reporter didn't necessarily deserve to be there, even when he was very hard on them. Do you expect Matt Whitaker to be involved in the Russia probe? Do you want him to... That's up to him. Do you want him to rein in Robert Mueller? What a stupid question that is. What a stupid question. But I watch you a lot. You ask a lot of stupid questions. <laughs> Nobody would say this at the time, but it was kind of a stupid question. But again, all out outrage. Joe Biden can say a reporter is in the wrong business because her question was too aggressive. Uh, but Donald Trump said legitimately a question was dumb. All hell broke loose. Now we're supposed to believe, you know, Abby Phillip is asking a stupid question. Uh, this, there, there is a, there's a constant theme here, and it's frankly, it's right out of the white supremacist playbook. A stupid answer more than a stupid question. That was President Trump insulting a reporter. He rudely insulted you, which was totally inappropriate. Your question was 100% perfect, got right to the point. I'm trying to keep my composure on this fine Sunday morning. Uh, the senator, I mean, excuse me, the president was a bully, just flat out. All right. All those individuals, we've checked it out. Their reaction to genuine potential white supremacist rhetoric? No outrage. Joe Biden? And you ain't black. Again, that should have been a mortal blow to the campaign. No, it's Joe. And everything's protected. And no questions are asked. And very few answers are revealed.
In an unusual move, President Biden not holding a joint press conference with Putin afterwards. Instead, in dueling appearances, both sides offering sometimes differing views of how it went. Everybody was making a big deal that they did not have a joint press conference. Well, they just said it's unusual. No joint press conference. They wouldn't say why. Not often. We all know why. Joe Biden and Vladimir Putin on the same stage. Look, Vladimir is 10 years younger than Joe and uh, didn't lose his cool. Some reporters admitted it, but in hushed tones and they got over it real fast. I think there's a lot of potential for that joint press conference for the optics to be pretty bad. Pretty bad. And then she changed the subject really quick. Pretty bad because we know Joe struggles. He struggles a lot. The optics were actually pretty bad at that solo press conference, but they covered for him literally and they took out the worst part. They don't trust us with it, I guess. Don't worry. I'll keep you covered. All right, folks, stay with us. Uh, hey, Mr. McCluskey will be here. Great American and also Congresswoman Boebert from Colorado. Be right back. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? <laughs> Folks, this is a New York story, but I think it has national implications, okay? Uh, mayor de Blasio is the worst mayor in the history of mayors. He is a total disaster. The city has slipped into chaos. Crime is totally out of control. Homeless people are everywhere. He's finally out of office. That's the good news. The bad news is the people who are vying to replace him are, for the most part, terrible. <laughs> Very bad. There was a Democrat debate last night, and um, the moderators actually made it worse. All right? The moderators, there they are. I'm sorry, but uh, there was a lot of fake news going on. Um, listen to this, this is how they started things. We're going to start tonight with something a little bit different. Candidates, we've all heard your campaign speeches. Now we want you to make your case to a few specific groups that are critical to New York's recovery. We're calling this the 30-second elevator pitch. This is about selling your idea quickly and powerfully. Think Shark Tank. We'll begin with a pandemic-related question for Ms. Morales and Mr. Yang. All right, so speak in 30-second clips. Now, she says she's already seen all the speeches. Most people haven't. People are not accustomed to voting in June, okay? Uh, we're not paying attention. People are on their phones, Netflix, all that kind of junk. And the campaign commercials, hey, they're limited to 30 seconds, right? Yes, we've seen some of those, for those of us who still watch TV, um, but a debate is supposed to be more. Why limit them to 30 seconds? Shark Tank. Uh, and they actually did it. Mr. Yang, many wealthy New Yorkers left the city during the pandemic, and many are still deciding if they should return to New York City permanently. How do you convince a family that their future should be here? Please look into the camera and give that family your 30, this one right here. Thank you. And, and give that family your 30-second elevator pitch. Go. Go. It's ridiculous. It's silly. And they're silly. 
so much of the fake news is silly. By the way, yes, that is Andrew Yang, the guy who ran for president, and he's running for mayor uh, here in New York uh, to replace de Blasio. And if they weren't asking questions like this, silly, gimmicky format, it was, what do they do best? Gotcha questions. This question uh, for all of you, Bill de Blasio asked you for a role in your administration. What job would you give him? And we're looking for a short answer, please. We'll begin with you, Mr. Adams. It's just ridiculous. It's, uh, <laughs> de Blasio is not coming back. No one's gonna hire him. It's a waste of time, gimmicky question. All of these debates are bad. Last night's was bad. I'm not saying it was Chris Wallace bad, but that was really bad too. What's up? Why can't the media get these things straight? They've been doing them for a long time. Why do they always stink? You've seen the headlines. They really are terrible. Just about all the time, left-wing news <laughs> believes that. Conservative media believes that. Something we really ought to work on, okay? Meanwhile, folks, if you didn't know, uh, Juneteenth will now be a national holiday. And today, uh, we consecrate Juneteenth uh, for what it ought to be, what it must be, a national holiday. As the vice president noted, a holiday that will join the others of our national celebrations. All right, Juneteenth is when a Union Army general, we never had a national conversation about this, arrived in Galveston, Texas, and informed enslaved African Americans that the Civil War had ended and that they were free. Uh, it's, uh, I think we get tomorrow off, federal holiday. You wanna see how Candace Owens reacted? Candace Owens, iconic. Juneteenth is so lame. Democrats really need to stop trying to repackage segregation. I'll be celebrating July 4th and July 4th only. I'm American. Wow. And this segregationist Joe Biden says Juneteenth is a day in which we remember the moral stain and the terrible toll that slavery took on the country and continues to take. More emotional programming for black people that choose to opt into the perpetual victim mentality. Wow. <laughs> the one and only Candace Owens. And now this. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives Black lives do matter, not the way the Black Lives Matter movement says. They only seem to care when a black life is taken by a white cop. No. Lives matter. Black lives matter, including the life of 22-year-old Marcellus Goode shot and killed in South Los Angeles late Tuesday. Police say he may have been caught in the crossfire of a drive-by shooting between rival gangs. He was standing on the sidewalk near his home when a car stopped near him. Several armed suspects jumped out of the car and fired multiple shots, then sped off. An eight-year-old girl named Brianna was also wounded in the shooting. Marcellus was the son of William Goode, a local community advocate for defunding the LAPD and other law enforcement. So far, no arrests. Sorry to report that. When we come back, Mark McCluskey, famous of the McCluskeys of St. Louis. We'll be right back. Remember this famous moment during all those protests last year in St. Louis, the McCluskeys, Mark and Patricia, exercised their constitutional rights and defended their home with weapons. Now, they didn't fire those weapons. They were charged. Uh, let's see. They were charged with uh, a felony, I believe. 
and uh, they got into a lot of trouble. The news, though, today is they both pleaded guilty to misdemeanors, misdemeanor offenses. I'm kind of surprised, but I'm also kind of relieved at the same time. Mark McCluskey, candidate, by the way, Republican candidate for U.S. Senate in Missouri, joins us right now. Welcome back to Newsmax. Uh, why'd you do it? Why'd you plead guilty? Well, you know, they we, we were originally charged with two felonies each that could land us four years in the slammer. The prosecutor today, this is the first day with a new prosecutor, he dropped all the felony charges, all the gun charges, and charged me with a crime that said, I purposely placed other people in apprehension of imminent fear of physical injury. And by God, I did it. That's what the guns were for. The guns were there to scare people off and make sure they didn't approach us. And that's what the guns did. And as I said in the courthouse steps, if that's a crime in Missouri, I did it. And I'll do it again. <laughs> well, hey, by the way, what about a penalty here? Community service or a slap on the wrist? What happens next? It's, it's a parking ticket. It's a $750 fine, and that's it. Well, sounds to me like you did win, sir. Um, excellent. Excellent. Uh, what about a pardon? I heard the governor, Wait. who's in office, right? He, he, he's uh, publicly said he'd like to pardon you, I believe. And I would like for him to do that, but it's it's you know it's entirely up to the governor. But he has said he would, and uh, I will I will uh, you know but I'll leave it up to the governor. He's he's a great guy, and I'm I, he's a great governor, and he's done wonderful things for Missouri. I had the honor last Saturday of being president of a place called Frontier Justice with the governor when he signed the Second Amendment Preservation Act here in Missouri that prohibits any Missouri employee from participating in any unconstitutional Second Amendment uh, actions, including should the uh, the Senate pass H.R. Uh, 127. You know, Governor, for those who, I'm sorry, Governor, Mark, for those who are new to this, uh, this story, can you tell them a little bit about the atmosphere in the neighborhood? There are things about that neighborhood that I don't think a lot of people understand, good things about that neighborhood, and a little bit more about the protests and what you were feeling and what you were hearing that night. Well, you know, in St. Louis, in the month before, after the George Floyd death, downtown St. Louis burned. Four cops were, were shot. Uh, retired police captain David Dorn was murdered. These mobs have a tendency to become very, very dangerous very fast. And so when they broke through our gate and entered into our private property, uh, we, uh, we had every expectation that we would be no different than downtown St. Louis or Captain Dorn and that our lives are in imminent risk of being lost. So we grabbed our weapons and we stood out on the front porch, which is uh, what the Second Amendment is there for, to keep and bear arms and we were bearing our arms. <laughs> and, you know, when the judge, when the prosecutor today said that he's charging me with intentionally putting people in imminent fear of physical injury, well, that's what the Second Amendment was there for. <laughs> and I did it. And I couldn't say no to that one. Well, there was a deterrent factor. I think no one was going to. I didn't see anybody get too close to your house. Um, <laughs> but before this, like your, your neighborhood is actually has been historically racially diverse. And I think a lot of folks unfairly saw you. They maligned you. Oh, there's a white guy with his gun threatening black people. Uh, they didn't. They don't. They don't understand the McCluskeys, in my opinion. Well, right across the street from us uh, has been a, a, a black family for as long as I've been here. In fact, many years longer. A gentleman is a guy named James Whitaker, who is one of the first black general surgeons. My next door neighbors on the other side are a mixed race family. Across uh, next door to uh, Dr. Whitaker's house uh, is a. Uh, um, a couple of gay gentlemen, and it's a very diverse neighborhood and always has been. All these attempts to paint us as some kind of white supremacist stronghold, it's just ridiculous. So 
what's great about this, my sense is you would not be running for the United States Senate if this didn't happen. Uh, something great has happened as a result of this. How's the campaign going? And do you agree with me? I, I mean, or am I wrong? Did you always want to run for the Senate? Was this part of the plan or did this uh, unleash some things? If you had asked me a year ago today what I wanted most of the world, Greg, I would have said I want the world to leave me the heck alone. <laughs> Let me live out the rest of my life in peace and comfort. But but God came knocking on our door, as I said, disguised as an angry mob, and it, 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 it transformed us. It, it, Patty and I, my wife, decided to just put the rest of our lives on hold and do what we can to save this great nation. Our liberties are being stripped from us so quickly, and the, and the country is deteriorating so fast. We just said, we don't, want it, don't care what it takes. We're going to put everything else on hold and do what we can to restore the America that we knew when we were kids. Mark, please give our best to Patricia. Mark McCluskey, candidate for Senate in Missouri. Uh, let's keep in touch. Happy for you. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Greg. All right. Take care. And we'll be right back. just hear about what's happening. You have to come down here to see for yourself, to really understand the devastating reality at our southern border. So I brought Kamala down to see exactly what this regime is responsible for with their man-made crisis. Now, Kamala, I want you to stand here and look at what you've done. Absolutely perfect. And Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, Republican of Colorado, joins us in the studio. Welcome and great to meet you. Thanks so much, Greg. It is wonderful to meet you in person. So uh, you're a machine. You're a powerhouse. You are a media superstar and a congressional superstar. Uh, did you see this happening four years ago? You were not close to this kind of life. No way, Greg. Uh, I want uh, to have my restaurant and raise my four boys and live out the American dream. I, I was raised in a Democrat household just because my mom believed the lies of politicians that you need government to take care of yourself. And uh, when, when I learned at a very young age that I could do a better job taking care of myself than government ever could, I started to develop conservative values. And when I saw that there were so many Democrats that want to take that away from us, that want to take away the American dream, they want to infringe on all of our rights, I, I, I got so frustrated that I had to do something about it. I, I guess it kind of started when I confronted Beto O'Rourke. We've, we've talked about that. Uh, I, I drove three hours to his presidential rally just as a frustrated mom and a gun owner after he told everyone he was going to take our guns. And I, I drove down there and told him, hell no, you're not, with my Glock on my hip. And I, I saw that I could actually represent and affect millions of people uh, just by saying what I believe. And so for me, it was selfish to just sit back and complain about what I saw going on. So this is me stepping up to do my part to serve our country. Uh, this really is about, uh, it, it's a battle between socialism and poverty and freedom and prosperity. Well, we're so happy that you got in the mix, really, you're, and you're changing the conversation. So what's going on at the border? You've been there a lot more recently than uh, Kamala Harris, who hasn't been there in years. Uh, what's happening? 
I've been there twice now. I went down to Arizona and saw the border there first, and I went with Chairman of the Freedom Caucus, Andy Biggs, and a group of wonderful members of Congress, and, and we went and spoke with Border Patrol agents. We went and spoke with the farmers who are having their, their properties destroyed by these migrants coming through their property, and, and that still wasn't enough because no one was doing anything about it. We have Kamala Harris that was then tapped as border czar, and it had been more than 70 days since uh, she was tapped as border czar, and she still had not been down there. So I was in the Rio Grande Valley sector and uh, McAllen, Texas, and I spoke again with Border Patrol agents. I spoke with the sheriffs and the, and the landowners, and, and I saw firsthand what was really happening there. Uh, Greg, I got to tell you, the, the Border Patrol agents, they are overwhelmed. They're overrun. Uh, their facilities are obviously over capacity, but they cannot even test people for COVID because they can't risk having a positive COVID test and quarantining these illegal aliens that are crossing. So they're not even testing them in the Border Patrol facilities. Why is it? Why are they blowing off this problem? They want, the theory is, you know, mm -hmm. globalists want the cheap labor, Democrats want the votes. Is that what's happening here? Greg, for you and I and everyday Americans and the ranchers who are having their properties destroyed by these people busting their fences and getting in, this is a crisis. But for Biden and Kamala, this is mission accomplished. Mm. She's not going down there because this is exactly what their policies intended. The uh, hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens that are crossing our borders, the the families that are self-separating, Greg, we heard for years under the Trump administration that Trump is separating parents and children and he's putting the children in cages. Well, this time last year in the Trump administration, there were 1,400 unaccompanied minors in the HHS facilities. Now, when I was there, there was more than there were 22,000 unaccompanied minors in the custody of the HHS facility. I, I, this is a full-blown crisis, and parents are self-separating from their children because of the Biden policies. If, if your child is seven years of age or older, you cannot cross with your child. So they are purposefully self-separating from their children, putting their children in the hands of the cartels and meeting them on the other side, knowing that we will reunite them on the other side. I've seen the buses of migrants filled and it's on a 15 minute loop. There's a, there, there's a sign in the front of the window. It says 15 minute loops. They are filling these buses with migrants, sending them into hotels and sending them all throughout our country. Greg, I saw them in the McAllen airport, groups of migrants with manila envelopes with instructions on how to board their future flights. And they are going all over the country. This is not just a problem for Arizona and Texas. This is a problem for our entire nation, a, a country without a border is not a country with all, uh, at all. And without a secure border, every state is a border state. Well, Kamala Harris uh, talks about the border. She hasn't been there, and uh, she said this uh, not too long ago. Just quickly put a button. Okay. Do you have any plans to visit the border? I, at some point, you know, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you, this whole, this whole, this whole thing about the border. We've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, mean, I, don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. The press treats you like you're the uh, inappropriate renegade. And look at that. That is not a serious person. No, not at all. Um, to, to laugh something like that off. And, and who is we? We've been to the border? I, I, 
me and Andy Biggs have been to the border, <laughs> I, <laughs> but Kamala has not been down there. And uh, and then to bring up Europe, well, now that Biden's been to Europe, maybe maybe she could go down to the border. I don't know. I think Biden thought he was in Mexico. Who knows if he even <laughs> knew where he was uh, when he went overseas. Uh, but this is uh, really a disgrace to our nation. And this is why uh, me and so many others are stepping up because our country's security and future really depend on what we do and, and the actions we take to hold people accountable. Well, uh, let's see. She is focusing on the root causes, which I think could take about a half century to uh, correct. But take a look at this. We are focused on addressing both the acute factors and the root causes of migration. The root causes of migration. Dealing with root causes. You can't say you care about the border without caring about the root causes. Dealing with the root causes of migration. We better care about the root causes. The root causes. You know, the root causes, uh, Joe Biden, I've heard he wants to set up light systems in Guatemala and some of these countries, and he gets really excited about the contracts that go with that. Have you noticed that? I have. Yes. And, you know, the root cause is enriching the cartels and allowing them to to run this uh, a very highly sophisticated uh, a crime organization uh, through our country. The root cause is an unsecure border. The root cause is Border Patrol agents not having the funding or the resources or the facilities to to occupy uh, th this mass surge of migration. The root cause is at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C., Melissa Bobert. Oh, excuse me, Lauren Bobert. Hey, you called McClowski governor. I mean, I, I, I'll take that. What was I drinking this morning? <laughs> you think it was four hours since I had a drink. It's been five years. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks so much, Craig. It's been a right? pleasure. To be continued. And we'll be right back. Tonight, we are a country awakened to danger and called to defend freedom. Mr. Gorbachev. Tear down this wall. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Hunter Biden, a star is born at the age of 51. Did you know he's an artist? Well, he says he is uh, going to display his work in art galleries and start selling them for a lot of money. Take a look at some of these headlines. Could be selling up for $500,000 a piece. Hunter Biden at 51. We're finding out he is the new Thomas Kincaid. I'm not buying this. I'm not buying this one bit. There's something odd. I'd like to bring in, though, a couple of experts and people who have had experience in similar situations. We've got Roger Kimball. He is the editor and publisher of The New Criterion. It's a monthly review of the arts. And Mark Simone, uh, radio personality here in New York and had a lot of experience in the music industry as a DJ and has special insight into what might be happening here. Uh, first of all, Roger and Mark, welcome. How are you guys? Great. I'm well. I want to show you Exhibit 1, Hunter Biden's uh, creation, at least one of them. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it is. But, uh, Roger, you're the, uh, you have some background in this. What are we looking at? Yes. And is it any good? Uh, well, to answer your uh, second question, no. 
it's not any good. Uh, I'm reminded of what Andy Warhol once said, that art means what you can get away with. Art is what you can get away with. And Hunter Biden obviously is getting away with, with lots here. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's important when you see something preposterous. I mean, it's, you get this story and the, your one's first instinct, I think, is to laugh. But um, it's important to understand that something can be preposterous and ridiculous, but also malevolent. And uh, I mean, this is the the latest the latest exhibition of the uh, corruption surrounding what uh, Rudy Giuliani called the Biden crime family. Uh, the fact that uh, these astronomical prices are being uh, uh, these paintings are being you know fetching these astronomical prices, and we don't know who's buying it. Right. What does that mean? What does it mean that that uh, you know somebody plops down a half a million dollars? I mean, it is true that that Joe Biden is doing his best to to render our our money worthless, but still, huh. a half a million dollars is a half a million dollars. Sure. Uh, uh, how how can it possibly be? How can we sit back and say it is okay for the president's son to um, uh, s sell these putative works of art yep. for these astronomical sums, and we don't know who's buying them? It's ridiculous. So. Uh, very interesting. And Mark Simone, I, I heard you on the radio, uh, your top-rated radio show, and you cited um, a, a moment in history that might have some, uh, there might be some relation to what's happening now. Could you take us through what happened with payola in the music industry? Yeah, no might. I guarantee you this is where he got the scam from. In the late 50s, rock and roll was the hottest thing, and disc jockeys were taking payola. You'd put $10,000 in an envelope, a lot of money back then, and give it to these guys. Even the top disc jockeys, like Alan Freed. Well, the FCC came in, made it illegal. Uh, law enforcement cracked down. Some even went to jail, and that was the end of that. But a really smart one, uh, what he did instead, his wife opened a little art gallery. And they just got some junk paintings from some students. And you were told, why don't you go to my wife's art gallery, buy a painting. And people would buy them for a fortune. And everybody else started doing this scam. So you could still collect the same 10000 to play a song on the radio. Only this time they were buying a painting. And, I, you know, Hunter is a rock and roll fan. I guarantee he's read a million things about that rock and roll era and saw this scam. I think that's where he came up with it. You know, you could download some of these paintings, download the pictures, walk into a gallery. Don't say who it is. Say, I painted these. Uh, what do you think? 100,000, 500,000? They'll throw you out. They'll call the police. <laughs> on well, somehow he's conned a few art critics or maybe the art critics are being bought. Who knows? I want to show you guys another. Uh, I'm not going to call it a masterpiece. It's something. Uh, what do we got here? This actually look, I'm no art person, but this is amateurish. This is something this is very high schoolish. Uh, Roger, you seem to. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I, you know, it's. Uh, uh, much of the art world these days uh, is full of garbage. So this is garbage. I, I mean, we, we might as well just be frank about it. It has no aesthetic uh, uh, claim to make at all. Uh, in that respect, it's not all that dissimilar from a lot of the other garbage that is uh, fetching large prices. But the fact is that this chap is the uh, son of the president of the United States. And uh, I, I'm, I'm sure Mark is right that that this is yeah he he, he by the way he paints with straws you as you see here uh, I'm sure he's right that there's that there is uh, something nefarious going on in the background 
I mean, if you, uh, you know, let's say you, you, you wanted the president to do something. Well, gosh, maybe I'll, I'll buy one of his son's paintings for uh, $500,000. Just, I mean, just think about that. Yeah, I mean uh, that that image that you that you showed a moment ago was that worth five hundred thousand dollars? And right is it worth now, five dollars. <laughs> right now, <laughs> let's face it, Hunter is under a bit more scrutiny than he was when he was the vice president's son. I mean, he could not go to yes. Russia with the president yes. as he went to China with the vice president. So this is yes. arguably a bit more discreet. And there are a lot of people in the art world they lean left. Mark, this could be a pretty sweet yes. setup. Well, we yes. can solve this. Uh, I don't know about discreet and Hunter Biden go together. <laughs> we can solve this mystery in a second. Just check who the buyers are, and then we'll see if they have any uh, business with the administration. Right. But they refuse to right. disclose the buyers. That tells you everything. Hey, those those George W. Bush paintings uh, are like Michelangelo compared to this stuff. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right, no, we got garbage. one more. We got it's one garbage. more to look at, and uh, let's uh, let's see if there's any merit here. All right, again, <laughs> this is now. This is in high school. This is uh, this is advanced fourth grade. It looks like one of those kaleidoscope things. Uh, this is uh, right. This is right. Joe. It's probably painted while he was on crack or whatever. I forget which drugs he but, used. But, but you, let's face it, though, there there are some art critics and some professionals who are saying yes, this has value. And Roger, mm -hmm. is that does that mean? I mean, the art world is corruptible, or you can get somebody to say anything. How are they? The art, getting the art world is, in, is, in, is incredibly corrupt. I mean, the art world is uh, shot through with corruption uh, today. It's it's uh, a mixture of money and um, snobbery and bad art. Uh, that's not the, there are you know plenty of artists making brilliant work today, but you don't see them reviewed in the New York Times or. Uh, uh, you know, the fancy art galleries in Chelsea and so yeah. on, for, by and large. Yeah. Uh, and this, you know, th there's something nefarious about about this uh, latest escapade of, of Hunter Biden's. There uh, are sooner people, or later, we'll get to the bottom. There are people who do dedicated their lives to the arts and uh, uh, you had to work two or yeah. three jobs and and hear this spoiled, entitled kid just <laughs> parachutes yeah. at the top level. Although I actually, from another point of view, I'm kind of happy that the, the thought of somebody spending five hundred thousand dollars for that, I'm glad that they're spending their money on it. Uh, it's you know, it's 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 just so ridiculous. It's hard to know how to respond, really. Well, your response was great, Roger Kimball. Thank you very much, Mark Simone. Final thoughts? Uh, after he's made ten or twenty million dollars doing this, New York Times, Washington Post, they still won't have any questions. He won't disclose the uh, no. the buyers, no. and they won't ask a single question about it. It is incredible, isn't it? Roger Kimball, editor and publisher of The New Criterion, and Mark Simone. Check him out on iHeartRadio. You can listen to it live. You can listen to it in podcast form. And his tweets are great, at Mark Simone NY. Thank you both. And we'll Thanks. be right back. Thank you. Big news from the app world. The Newsmax TV app has been downloaded more than 5 million times since Election Day. It's one of the most popular apps on both iPhones and Android devices. Plus, it's free. So go to your app store now and you'll get easy access to Newsmax.com for top news. Plus, you can watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. And remember to sign up for app notifications so you never miss a breaking news alert from Newsmax. Download the free app now. Takes just seconds. Newsmax TV. Watch us anytime, anywhere. All right, so happy Juneteenth. Uh, I don't know if we get tomorrow off or whatever, but it's suddenly a national holiday. Uh, we'll figure it out.
Have a great one. Stand by for Stinchfield. And I will be here at work tomorrow.